I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, CEO and founder of Exaptic Robotics Company based in Melbourne. Today, my guest is Kalpana Sharov Prajapati, Director, Project Manager, IT Consultant at Neurapsis Technology in Perth. Kalpana, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for having me here. Listen, it's a great pleasure. You and I have run around in circles trying to get times that work for both of us. I'm absolutely delighted that today is the day that we get to speak to each other. Yes, finally we could do it. (laughs) I know, and just discussing all the time zones that we all have to deal with. So um, it's really, really great pleasure to have you. Kalpana, you have a master's degree in advanced computer science from the University of Leicester in the UK. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in Perth in West Australia. Okay, uh, so I was born and brought up in India for like for 20 years. And then uh, I didn't know like what I have to do in my life, honestly, until my high school. And then uh, my elder brother was there who was like, Kalpana, you are good in math, so just pick up engineering as your subject. And then my parents were like, she's going to construct a building. When my brother said she is going to be an engineer, and then uh, my brother was like, "No, no, no! She'll be going to be become a computer engineer, not a construction engineer." So uh, that's how my journey started as a computer science um, BTech engineer, and then I mo- I wanted to learn more, and I adopt uh, a computer science in uh, Leicester. I choose the university. It's one of the finest university um, in UK. So I love to be explore Europe and go there and uh, study there. So after I completed my study, I finished a master's. I came back to India. I started uh, working uh, for companies here. And in some time, I realized that I, I have to move to different culture, to know different peoples and understand them, how they work, how, how everything works uh, abroad, not only in India. So I've been in uh, Denmark for around five years. And uh, finally, I choose Australia because in between 2013, I've been to uh, Brisbane for uh, eight months. I like the people, I like the culture, and then uh, the sunshine, which uh, I was missing in Europe. It was mostly needed. So finally, we choose uh, Australia to be the destination country and uh, moved here. And uh, I got a chance, uh, I, I like pretty much interesting career. Like uh, for me, in one hand, I'm involved with uh, clients. And on the other hand, I'm, I closely work with uh, the team on a daily basis. So um, in Neurapsis, I got the chance to work both ways, like uh, to work with the people in the company and to work with clients. So it, it goes well. You've had an extraordinary journey. I mean, Denmark's one of the countries that I've always wanted to go to because I um, actually represent some of their robots here in Australia. And I've, I always say to uh, my suppliers that as soon as I can, I'm coming to Denmark. And they say, yes, yes, I must come. But obviously with COVID, I don't think we're going anywhere. But um, wow, you've certainly moved around. And, um, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of the traditional um, journey normally for Indian girls is that you've um, your husband has been chosen for you and um, you sort of married off this wasn't your yes. path I'm assuming <laughs> yes uh, uh, 
honestly india is like lost more uh, forward than uh, progressive now progressive <laughs> now so it's not always that the parents have to choose a uh, groom for you you can choose yourself i'm delighted <laughs> as is all the women in india actually the only reason i say that is because i've got very good indian friends and they actually have a traditional marriage which yes, yes, yes. um they're very happy and I, i always think to myself maybe more people should be like that you just get chosen a husband because people sit there and go like they're good characteristics and that and that's a good match and you know off you go but um like yeah. that's a whole that's a whole separate uh, podcast and i'm sure i'm going to irritate some woman with that statement so we better leave it there <laughs> no, i i don't think so so i have like four sisters so two of them are like uh, my parents choose um groom for them and like uh, to like me and my younger sister we choose for ourselves so it's it's all fair enough <laughs> so <laughs> you got a good balance <laughs> yes. yeah. so nerapsa specializes in data insights and business solutions powered by artificial intelligence and machine learning so who are your clients and how are you helping them So as you said Nirapsis technology works on uh, next generation technologies in the field of uh, artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning our clients are both uh, startups and mid-sized companies from different part of the world like our clients are from Ireland UK USA Kenya South Africa Australia and of course various part of India as well So how we help them is by providing them extensive services on how to automate their business uh, processes like uh, they come up to us with a problem saying that okay we have a huge amount of data and we are unable to structure those data we have huge amount of uh, paperwork and we are unable to automate them so we help them finding this uh, solution based on artificial intelligence and apart from this we also help uh, um building a individual idea into applications like a mobile app or into a web application into and we help them creating a websites digital marketing and various other things uh, related to it so obviously data today um and the security around it and cyber attacks and things like this is paramount to businesses yes data is like so important in these days like if you see artificial intelligence uh, was uh, back in 1950s but uh, nobody knows about it like how it was working and how it could be like uh, a a boon to uh, mankind but now data is so important like if you don't utilize it even yesterday data will become old for you today yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you have um four offices across the globe Um is there a difference between the countries in terms of maturity in AI and the adoption of it? So uh honestly there is no difference in terms of maturity in AI or adoption of it because uh, any company who are building AI and uh, ML products uh, for their clients it's important to check their uh, AI maturity. because it is combination of three things uh, according to uh, Alex Castronus author of the book um, artificial intelligence for people and business and the combination are like experience technical sophistication and technical competence so more experience results in faster progress and like greater efficiency and then this technical sophistication every team needs to know it 
because which tools they are using to build their models in uh, artificial intelligence. So uh, the team we have in India, they are the developers and they do all uh, uh, adoption of a maturity based in India. And uh, they have advanced uh, data scientists. They are advanced data scientists who work on natural language processing and computer vision. And they know by experimenting like uh, which uh, model works best for a business. So uh, I don't think so we have any difference in AI maturity for any, like based on uh, countries. Yeah, all right. So, but in terms of like, if you took Australia in terms of the journey of AI and how it's recognized by governments and the money thrown at it, and say a country like Sweden or even um, America, I would I would think there would be a little bit of a difference in terms of how that's handled. So perhaps a little bit of that maturity is a little bit different. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, according to company, according to countries like America, they are like really fast in adopting the AI. Like uh, where uh, great companies like Facebook, Amazon is already uh, like advancing in adopting AI maturity and all. And if I see, if I compare it with any other country, we are still behind and we are following the AI maturity according to those uh, countries. Yeah, I think um, just speaking of Facebook, I think they've got a whole heap of their own problems at the moment. Um, one being that their sites went down two two weeks ago, and um, I think one of the um, ex employees is blowing the whistle about uh, you know um, Instagram and the targeted audience of kids under twelve and the mental health that it's it's actually very bad for them. Yes, honestly, um, it, everything went down. Like when you say about Facebook, it was Instagram, it was uh, WhatsApp, it was all of the social media. And uh, yes, it, at some level of uh, intelligence, we could say that it's not uh, so good for uh, kids. They should be involved in some other activities uh, of AI and machine learning, but not into social media. I think, like, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, I'm in, on the one hand, very happy that my children are of an age that they actually missed the whole Facebook thing and also actually didn't mean anything to me in the time that, you know, everyone was posting every single photo of their child eating, uh, you know, going, buying a dog, whatever they're doing, the whole life is recorded. And um, when I, I look at some of the Facebook posts that I see that are actually... I actually have a problem with that because I look at it and I go, at some point, these kids are going to turn around and say, who gave you permission to put my whole life on Facebook? I know what the, I know what it's meant to do. You're sharing it with friends and families. But, you know, if you looked at it from the other point of view, there's no privacy for these children growing up with parents that are, um, you know, they like to post everything. And, and that's not necessarily maybe when the child's, say, 15 years old, they go, well, I don't I don't want this. Yeah, because um, I think uh, mostly all sensible parents would not like this, that uh, the child want to become a celebrity on the social media, like uh, he want to be popular at the age where he don't know what is what exactly means to be popularity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's true, like, um, as you said, we are like opening up all our private things uh, in air for everyone. Look, 
for those out there that want to do it, I say go for it. But that's just something I want to do. And I'm not actually even very active on Facebook. That just probably goes to show like my my setting of my privacy is my privacy. I mean, obviously on LinkedIn and you know Instagram, I'm a little bit, but it's for the business side of my my life, not my private life that I'm I'm putting stuff out there. Yeah, but it, LinkedIn is far more better where like you have uh, connections, you know, people and you uh, meet with people with your like, like-minded people where you see someone is motivating you, inspiring you with the thoughts and with the ideas, like, and how the company is growing, you know, many things on uh, mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Well, my message to the listeners out there, if you've got kids, like just be aware of what you're posting about the last, because a lot of information can be gleaned that you, you know, you can't even think what information is out there that, that people, and not everyone's got good intentions. Okay. Enough of that or that. So when clients approach you, what are they typically seeking help for? So uh, see, almost every client approach us to find solution to their business problems. Mm-hmm. So we have finance uh, institution approaching us for automatically scanning their important documents and uh, uploading in their system. We have built a expense management system, uh, which like uh, extract important in, uh, important information from a receipt or from you have insurance documents or something you have any important documents you have in your office you are working for so we extract those information using this OCR and then this is saved in your computer and it saves hell lot of time for any manual worker in your company so this is how because once we do this once we automate these things for um, for your employee it's a win-win like your employee are happy, your productivities goes high. And then we like the things that can be done by machines and it's no more required to sit and do all those uh, tedious work. Yeah, if, you, if so, you think about it years ago, people scanning things and photocopying, I mean, like that, that just doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, just think about like you have document, you have insurance thing, and then uh, you have uh, someone accounted or someone sitting at at the desk and uh, filling every date, okay, in the Excel set, like today's date is this much and uh, your name was this and uh, your data, your bill and calculate at the end, doing everything uh, like uh, manually. Yeah, and, and this just enables it to do it at a fraction of the time and I'm assuming um, time equals money so it's a win-win for everyone yes it's a win-win definitely win-win for everyone like if you see in uh, sectors of uh, uh, medical like how previously like so many nurses and doctors were required for one patient like uh, measuring uh, blood pressure measure, monitoring his health monitoring all the activities that is going on but nowadays machines can do it and they can just you know uh, be aware for all other patients in that ward or in that room it's just not like they are occupying by one single person and sitting there monitoring but now the machine can monitor and they can just come and take the reports take the data that is uh, the machine is giving them what's not to love about robotics and automation so your your founder has a particular interest in robotics tell us a little bit about this uh, yes. Uh, so yes, our founder is very clear in his vision that uh, he did his uh, PhD as well in uh, uh, robotics, in machine learning, in artificial intelligence. Uh, he he want to transform the education system. 
You want to build a culture where uh, students learn to innovate and solve problems through techno technological uh, tools of robotics and artificial intelligence. So he built an online uh, education system, uh, which is called as uh, Mechatron Robotics, that provide a STEM-based courses, uh, especially robotics to school and college students. And it started in 2013 in India, and we have trained more than like 30,000 students in India because India is so big, you know, and the numbers just goes on. And, uh, and it's actually what I think is really good. Just imagine when you have a, uh, like someone is playing with the robotics and the kids is like so happy playing with it. And just think if your kid is building that own toy for himself and he's playing with that, then you're a more proud parent, like seeing that, okay, my kid is not only playing with the store-bought robotics, but now he can build it himself. Like uh, he can do it by learning these things, learning how to create uh, robotics at, at this tiny age. Well, listen, I always say that um, how you give kids confidence is you get them to um, learn skills. And learning skills starts from a young age. You're, ne you're never too young to pick up something, put it away, make your bed, um, you know, because it, it gives them confidence. And the more confidence people have, the braver they are in a way to go, I'm going to try something because it doesn't actually matter whether you you win or you lose or you, you get it wrong because they've got confidence, they're practicing. And that's actually a very important skill. See, being a child, they will not know definitely. They will not know what to do or what not to do. And, and being an adult, it's our duty, like uh, in which area they should pay more attention. It's easy to put them a video on and sit them for hours. They will do that. And But it's it's really take effort for a parent to sit down and uh, build that robotics or play a game or play a puzzle with them. So Because they are problem solvers by themselves. Yeah. They will ask you two times a question. You don't solve them for it, uh, for them. They will find a solution themselves. <laughs> so. Kalpana, speaking of children, you, I think you have a four-year-old little genius in your household that she's going to run rings around you by your backpack. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, um, of course, you know, parents are tired and distracted after, you know, they, they work, you have to pay bills and things, but your uh, the children's education, I think you like your period is from one to seven years, like what you put into your child in those formative years, they're going to spit out for the rest of their life. So to the parents out there, the first seven years, it's actually the first, first four years are actually, according to Jordan Peterson, who I actually happen to read a lot of his stuff, but uh, I say the first seven years are crucially important. Yeah, definitely. Like, like in India also, like there are Vedas, there is yoga and where you learn like, okay, the first four or five years of your life is like really important, like how you feed them, that even from the food they eat to the things they do, the daily things that uh, involved in daily routine things that involved in their day to day life, it remains forever in their life. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Like, I, like, I couldn't agree with that more. So, why do you think STEM is so important in Australia? Like, what's your what's your opinion about um, STEM and how we're handling it here? So, oh, honestly, uh, I would not say STEM is uh, important only for Australia. It is important across the globe. Like, uh, if you see 
but when you see the demographics uh, comparing to other countries yes australia needs strong stem uh, building activities inspiring young minds to take interest in science technology engineering and mathematics because we do not have enough people majoring in uh, these fields and we do not have like people who have like background to fill all the pipelines uh, talent pipeline in australia so if you see every country is seeking people and they uh, migrate people from different countries to fill these gaps so if uh, this would be my message to everyone in um, like uh, every country not only in australia saying that uh, okay we should inbuilt kind of uh, an activity we should pay it more attention to uh, student we should provide them like how you can build your future like how amazing you can do things if you take interest in science technology and in engineering background if you bring that awareness in them gaining interest maintain the interest in the kids then they will definitely take more interest in this uh, stem education and uh, i think uh, i have heard about uh, ecola if you uh, see australian council of learned academics and they are like uh, advising australia now making wise decision not only on stems but uh, other complex issues as well so this will be really good chance uh, like improving any countries for uh, bringing stem into their education system yeah listen i um, i talk about this a lot and i actually think maths should just be compulsory till year 12 i think you shouldn't um you shouldn't have the option to to drop it because you need maths for the rest of your life there there is not an aspect of your life that you don't actually have to sit there and maybe just calculate something whether it's budgeting or um maths affects us every day we we always busy using some form of maths whether we actually realize it or not we do um and i just think it's such a it's such a base subject that just gives you so many options to go out and do different things and you know when you when you're still young you get influenced by your peers a lot and depending on which group you go into and, and this could have lifelong repercussions for you because you make the wrong decisions like it's a fact stem stem careers the women especially you make more money like this is actually quite important ladies you want to make money so that you are financially independent and you can do stuff and um you know i i i look at it and i think well thank goodness i didn't have girls because i would have told them like you're going to do maths and science whether you want to or not that's just going to happen and you know what's a certain practice i'm not saying you have to get a distinction you have to pass this this is what you have to do you you know in india like like uh, it was like previously if you were a girl child you you should become aspire to become a uh, doctor if your boy tell you aspire to become an engineer yeah i know <laughs> and look at them both i know a lot of indian engineers a lot of my friends i go you're all engineers i know you engineers <laughs> yes so, so this is what happens like they, we have like uh, more population and and if you see like if you throw a stone in anyone and then there will be engineer coming out from yeah. india <laughs> I love it. Listen, we I don't think you can have enough engineers. Like it just permeates all aspects of your life. So, I'll tell you your Mechatron Robotics is in Australia now. Um talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so uh, 
Mechatron Robotics, as I told you earlier, so what we did, like it, it was in India, and then we started uh, giving the franchisee, like uh, why only in India? We should like uh, bring all young minds to learn about robotics, to know how it works, uh, know the STEM education. So in this journey, we found really uh, um, good uh, people here in Australia, Dr. Heath Kirby Miller from uh, Monash University and uh, his wife, Chrissy Kirby Miller. And they together uh, with other industry professionals, and they started this journey of Megatron Robotics in Australia. So um, Dr. Heath has a strong management background, completing his PhD in uh, management at Monash University. And uh, Chrissy has a social work background. And they both are passionate for supporting uh, education for children and uh, both young and uh, young adults. So they uh, have a plan to grow the STEM education uh, all over Australia, not only in Melbourne, but they are starting it from Melbourne. And they have a plan throughout the year, end of this year, to develop it in Perth, in Sydney, in other parts of um, Australia. So yeah, they, Kopana, de- they definitely will have them on the podcast. We'll chat yes. to them. We'll get yes. the next case. Yes. We'll find them. We'll put the links in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. Yeah. So in terms of schools, like what's happening in, in Perth and West Australia with robotics and schools? So uh, if you talk about Perth and West Australia, it's uh, I can see it's uh, uh, robotics is not a subject. It's not a compulsory subject in any school. But I would like prefer like to know how important it is to build STEM education, like to bring that awareness, as I discussed earlier, to young kids, how they can gain an interest. They can gain an interest only if this becomes a compulsory subject in school. Okay, and and until then, we can just try with this uh, various uh, areas of like uh, how we can provide external education. Like a parent is sending their kids for a karate class, for a swimming class, or for any other class, like after school activities. They should also mm-hmm. involve them for uh, this robotics uh, class, like STEM education. It's, uh, and, and our courses are designed in such a way that weekly they have to take only two classes. And so that they can get involved with the activities, with the live activities, because the trainers, they have so much education. They bring up with the um, hand skill, you know, the motor skill. They have to touch the circuit and build something of their own, not only a coding skills, but uh, a real activity skills. Listen, I, I, I agree with you. And I think the younger you introduce it, the easier it becomes because it's not then a you know, oh my goodness, we're doing coding. And, you know, like it just becomes, yeah, we're doing coding. It's just something else you know about. It doesn't mean you're going to become a coder for the rest of your life, but you know, you know a little bit about it and how it impacts our world. And, um, you know, like decisions between AI biases and things, how how everything influences further along the line, all the decisions. It's a, it's a, like a ripple pond that goes out then, Um I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's compulsory in any schools in Australia. That there are components there. I think in Queensland they are, New South Wales, um, they do have coding that you can do. So I'm um, clearly Kalpana, you'll have to move to Queensland with your little daughter if you want compulsory <laughs> coding. But I suspect, I suspect no, 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 no. It's not about uh, compulsory coding, but uh, kind of like uh, anything like STEM based uh, yeah. some courses that should be compulsory, like so that. Uh, 
the kids at early like year one year two or uh, at year three they should know about like what science can do what technology can do yeah. like um, introducing some kind of you know activity to them is like always good yeah listen I- i'll go step back like we can have the manners component like because i think some parents today are even like like basic things Actually, we'll send the parents back to school and then we'll solve all the issues because that's where it all goes wrong. <laughs> so, so overall, um, how important do you think AI and machine learning is and, and how does it impact businesses today? Uh, to be honest, artificial intelligence is just a gift to mankind. Like yeah. uh, without it, like uh, if someone knows how to unleash its power, like unless like, how artificial intelligence and machine learning can like do miracles today in businesses and and they could just leverage it like data is everything for a business today and uh, ai transforms how we used to perform our jobs like uh, as i said earlier as well like it's just you know um, modifying the things so easily so quickly that human don't want to put effort like why i should do this like if i could send click on a button i can send 100 emails i don't want to do type right everything <laughs> down so, so in, the, in if you see also in in the past we used to have like rule based algorithms so like artificial for artificial intelligence and then we we got like machine learning where we feed like uh, to the machines what we want and the machine learns by itself it's the same like a kid you teach them okay a a a then then they know recognize what is a and what is apple the same way the machine is also learning and once we feed them they learn and then that's it they go on on their own we don't have to like you know supervise it all the time and the more data we feed them the more perfect the, the more uh, 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 accurate analysis they does for us so i think it uh, at this stage uh, like 2021 every businesses needs artificial intelligence and machine learning in their uh, business solutions well or at least some some sort of um roadmap um if yes. they haven't got it like how could they implement it or like have someone do an analysis of how it could benefit their company yeah see uh well let's say there is a company and uh, they are looking into the charts they are looking into their uh, final reports uh, end of the year reports and they are figuring it out but what human eye sees they they can see only see okay uh, this quarter they have 25% of hike or the other quarter they have 50% of hike and they still cannot analyze it properly but if they implement uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning they can just figure it out the machine can give give them a solution they can, the machine can optimize it and also give them like okay if you do this and if you follow this solution maybe you will get this result so the machine is capable of doing all the things so even though there is a comp- there are companies who are not implementing this and but they are seeing it for future they must try to uh, analyze it like start analyzing how uh artificial intelligence and machine learning can help them in their business well i i suggest to guys for if you're not doing it that you're going to be left behind yes that that's a for sure thing yeah you will be because um competitors i think early adopters of ai machine learning um automation robotics these companies they're flourishing yes they are flourishing and their revenues are going up their business processes are more refined and more better 
Kalpana, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, if anyone wants to uh, contact you, is it okay if I put your email address in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, sure. Definitely. Not a problem. Yeah, yes. and definitely that book that you were referring to, um, we'll also put that link. You can send that book uh, that you were you referenced yes. to. Sure. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So um, to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Let's Talk Robotics. I hope you enjoyed uh, the chat as much as I did. And I look forward to um, speaking with you next week again. <laughs>